So our lesson today is uh, from Psalms chapter 103. Um, you can be turning there if you want to. I just want to take this minute to... Uh, this is kind of a play off of our Wednesday night classes. We're studying Psalms on Wednesday night. And so um, while I've got the pulpit here, and I said this in early service, we are doing, uh, if you're not coming on Wednesday night, then you're missing something. We've got a tag team teaching going on. We put two men together, and they prepare a lesson out of Psalms this time, and they teach a class, and they don't teach one class, but they teach that lesson to each one of our seven adult classes, and so they rotate through. Um, this is good for all of us because it's a good way to try and develop new teachers. We always, the strength of our congregation is going to depend on us having teachers in the future. And so those things don't just happen. They have to be trained, and they have to be willing, and we've got some guys that are willing to step up and do that now. The good thing that I've really appreciated this time is we've got seven or eight guys that are helping teach and they have never taught an adult class, which is huge because they didn't have an easy assignment. Um, standing before an adult class and being prepared to teach is intimidating enough. Psalms is a little bit tricky when you're putting a lesson together and so that's a little bit tough for them, but uh, they're doing a great job and I hope that you will understand as they go through this that some of them are beginners and yet uh, encourage them as best you can. I know that, you, I know that you'll do that, but I, I wanted to thank each one of those guys this morning as we uh, got started. Psalms chapter 103. Um, Psalms chapter 103 is a very positive lesson. Uh, he starts out with blessing God and he ends up with blessing God. Let's look at that. Verse 1, he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that's in we, bless his holy name. You go to verse 20, he said, Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We just sang the song, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And... and uh, I was just watching the songs and singing them as Matt prepared those and, and led those in such a good way, and they just they fit spot on. The song uh, before that even, even dealt with the reading that uh, Dennis, Dennis gave for us. Did you guys notice, by the way, we had a three-generation thing going on this morning. We had Sawyer, we had Matt, and then we had Dennis, and uh, so that was, that was pretty cool. Um, the, the author of the Psalms 103 is saying, bless the Lord. He's... He's spending some time, and he's writing these thoughts down, and his thoughts are good at this time. Bless the Lord for all that you do. Bless his holy name for all that you do. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. When you get out there and you get through college and you get that degree and you go look for that job, I'm looking this way because that's them. And some of y'all have already been there. What do you look for in a job? You look for a job with a good salary. You look for a job that's in your area that you've studied for. You look for some benefits, don't you? I want a job with some benefits. The author here is saying there's some benefits to blessing God, to worshiping God, to thinking about God, to being a follower of God. 
There's some benefits that go along with that. And obviously, we're all trying to get to heaven. Obviously, we all want to spend eternity with God. That's why we're here. But there's some benefits along the way. We want to look at some of these things this morning. Do not forget about these benefits. If you look at, um, if you look at 4 and 5, we're going to skip just a little bit. We're not going to go in sequence. But look at 4 and 5. He said, Who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all who are oppressed. He goes on. But think about these two thoughts here, loving kindness and tender mercies. Who's showering you with that? Who's satisfying your mouth with good things? You know, Dennis read from Psalms 104, just the very next chapter, and that whole chapter is dealing with God, His creation, His power. Um, immediately before that reading, he's talking about the waters, how they respond to God's commands. When He created the earth and He told the waters, these are your boundaries, and they stay in those boundaries. And, he, and he, Then He had the flood. He allowed those boundaries to change, and He commanded those boundaries to change for a while, and they covered the mountaintops. And then when God was ready, He said, you go back to your boundaries. You stay in those boundaries, and you don't ever get out of those boundaries again. And that's where we are today. God created this great earth that we all live in. And he said in verse 24, if I read that again from 104, O Lord, how manifold are thy works. In wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your riches. Now when we think about benefits, one of the great benefits he's talking about in these two verses that we read is the benefits of being on this earth that God created. You know, you go back to Genesis chapter 1 and we find the story in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And each day of creation, he created something else and he added to that. And at the end of each day, do you remember what he said? It's good. God enjoyed creating this earth. And God liked what he created. He said, it is good. I've created something good. Why did he do that? What was his purpose in doing that? His purpose in creating this earth so magnificently was for us. He did it for us. It's a benefit that he wants us to enjoy in our lives. And so you think about the nature that, that Dennis read about a while ago. We just took a small passage out of there. It talks about nature. It talks about the animals that rise and go to sleep and they get up and they look for the food that God provides. And it would be the same with us. We live on this earth and we, we get up with the sun. He talked about the sunset. He talked about the sunrise. You know, that's a benefit that everybody gets to enjoy in this world, whether you're a child of God or not. Did you know that God blesses all people with this earth? God blesses us all with the, the ability to see that sun rise in the morning, the birds singing, the beautiful places in nature that He has presented, the changing of the seasons. It's a beautiful day outside. And He says in Romans chapter 1 that if you're not even a believer in God, you should be because of the creation that's around us. You don't have any excuses for not believing in God, he says, because you can look at nature and you can see there should be a God. 
there is a God. And he said, when you fail to recognize that, he said, you're, you're being ungrateful, you're being unthankful. He says, therefore, you're missing the point. You're missing the great point of God's blessing. And when we think about the way that God has blessed us in this world, is it not much more satisfying as a child of God to recognize that all of these good things are because He loves us and He wants us to have that? That's a special relationship that we have with Him. And so we don't want to be unthankful people. As we live our daily life, spend a little time every day thanking God, blessing God for this world that we live in because it's a great place to live. And know that God created it for your enjoyment. If you look at 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17, he said that God gives us richly all things to enjoy. When you think about the world around us, God didn't spare anything. It's a beautiful place. Wherever you live, there's beauty in the world around us, and we need to take uh, advantage of that as we live our lives. That's a blessing that all people can enjoy. But now then he talks about a little different, uh, a little different thought process. This is a benefit that's only for God's people. He says... In verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? In verse 4, who redeems your life from destruction? We'll spend a minute talking about these things, and this can get a little bit complicated if you're not careful, but who heals your iniquities? Well, we know that's God. We know that God set up a plan from the very beginning to take care of our sin. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit more in a minute. But God forgives our iniquities. When we look at the other one, he says, who heals all your diseases? There's where it gets a little tricky, doesn't it? You know, just like all people get the benefit of God's nature, all people get to struggle with life even Christians. And so we're kind of included in the struggle group too. Because we're Christians does not mean we won't struggle. But because we're Christians, we look at things a little different, hopefully. Hopefully we don't look at things like the world thinks of those things. Let's look at that again. Who heals all your iniquities? Here's a, here's a like a, you know, when you think about iniquities, um, excuse me, who heals all your diseases, excuse me. When you think about who heals all your diseases and we think about sickness, it brings things to mind. There are things in this world that I mentioned a while ago that, that Christians will struggle with also. They're not prevalent just for unbelievers. And so you think about this and you think about, you think about things like illness. You think about things like cancer. You think about things like the tornadoes that have hit. The tornadoes don't just select unbelievers, do they? They're just indiscriminate. They just go. And so there's this thought. But now when he's talking about diseases, there's, there's doctors like Dr. Randy. Dr. Randy can heal some diseases because he studied that. And because there's some things at his disposal that he knows about that, that we don't really know about. And so we go, see, we go see him to get some help. There's nothing wrong with that. The world of medicine is pretty incredible these days. But where does all that knowledge come from? That's a God thing. God always has that there. It's always been there. 
We just hadn't always known it sometimes. And we get around to finding it. There's a whole lot more there that we haven't got to yet. Doctors are great. But they only know what they know. And God knows it all. Now, we can use them as diseases, but what else do we do? We pray, don't we? We pray as a body of people. We want to help that along. And we don't, we don't pray over cold so much, but things get serious. We start praying, and we pray hard. I believe in prayer. I hope you do. Does God heal diseases through prayer? Does he? I hope he does, because we're praying for it. If he doesn't heal diseases through prayer, we need to quit praying for all these people. Here's the problem, though. He doesn't answer them all the same, does he? They don't all get answered the same. We have to have it in perspective. As God's people, we have the opportunity of knowing God a little better than the rest of the world. And hopefully we have a better opportunity to deal with these things as they come along because we have a different perspective than the rest of the world would have. We've been praying on our prayer list for quite a while now for Sandra Lamberson. I don't think she's here today. I didn't see her come in. Sandra Lamberson. She's right at the end of her treatments. And it's awesome. And she feels great. And, and her cancer, as they know it, is completely gone. Would Blake say that those answers to prayer were good? Would he say that God answered those prayers? That he was a part of that process, even though she went to the doctors and she did the treatments? Does God have anything to do with that? Blake's going to tell you, yes, he did. Blake's going to tell you that prayer was very important in that. Got Karen Pearson, though. Her mama passed away. She was on our prayer list, too, wasn't she? We prayed and prayed for her. We always pray for people to get better. But she didn't. Would Karen Pearson tell you that God answered her prayers? I think she would, but I think it's all about perspective. I'm going to tell you one more little thing. We had Mark Bachman still do on our prayers. Slavon's brother-in-law. And so, Mark Bachman, if you've been keeping up, he had a brain tumor. He had surgery for the brain tumor. Didn't get it all. In the process, he's had heart trouble. He's had some strokes. He's had blood clots in his legs. They've operated twice on his for blood clots. They think they're about to get that under control. But Friday when the tornado went through wind, her sister was home, Mark Bachman's wife, and the tornado destroyed their house. What do you think about all that? How unlucky is that? How unfortunate is that? How tragic is that? I called Levon, I was talking to her about the house and asking her a couple of questions and about her sister. You know what she said? She said her sister was in the house, but God saved her. She said, God has saved them so many times. That is perspective. You can look at the side where everything is bad, or you can look at the side that God is in that picture. God is still working for that family. How many, how many hurdles have they had? How many do they still have? We don't know. But God is in the picture. That's perspective as a Christian. God does heal diseases. God does answer prayers. And we need to remember that. And then, 
As we look at the third one that we read, who redeems your life from destruction? It's not talking about normal death. This is not talking about dying from this world. We're all going to face that at some time. It's talking about spiritual destruction. It's talking about losing your soul. And who saves you from that? God does. God has made a plan for us for eternity. God wants our soul with Him for eternity. And so He's made that happen. That leads us into the next thought in the next few verses that we want to look at when He says... The idea of this is, how does God deal with our sin problem? Because we do have a sin problem. We're God's people. We're good people. I'm looking around this room, and I see a whole lot of good people, and I love this church. But we've got some sin problems in here because we're human. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not just all out there in the world, but all in here too. It doesn't specify that Christians don't have a problem with that, because we do. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Romans 6, 23, the wages of that sin is death. Spencer did a good job a couple weeks ago talking about that, putting that sin in perspective, putting that ugly picture on how God sees sin. Because of our sin, we deserve to be away from God. We deserve some punishment because God, we sang about it, is a holy God. And He is a righteous God. And God cannot have sin in His presence. Therefore, because we sin, we don't really have a right to stand in His presence. We've got to have something to help us take care of that. We know that God hates sin. He cannot abide sin. But we also know that God loves the sinner. He hates what that person's doing, but he loves that person deeply. He loves us more than we love ourselves. And we also know that God doesn't treat us like we deserve to be treated. Look at, um, look at verse 10, chapter 103. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us, according to our iniquities. What do we deserve? We deserve death. We deserve separation from God. We deserve punishment. But He doesn't deal with us that way. He doesn't treat us like we deserve to be treated. But you know what He did? As Spencer said a couple of weeks ago, He treated Christ like we deserve to be treated. We deserve to be on the cross. Instead, he put his son on the cross. He crushed Jesus for our sin, for my sin, for yours. He doesn't treat us like we deserve. He doesn't want to treat us like we deserve. He wants to treat us better than that. Verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger. His mercy is plentiful. This is the God that we serve. He is slow to anger. You know, God described himself this very way in Exodus chapter 34. Um, if you go over to Exodus chapter 34, we have um, God 
talking to Moses and presenting himself to Moses up on the mountain. Exodus 34, starting with verse 5, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, him being Moses, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. This is how God described himself. When you think of that description and when you think of he's slow to anger, kind of also reminds us of over in James chapter 1 where he says that we are to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That's who he wants us to be too. Why? Because that's who he is. And he says, when we don't do that, in the next verse after, he said, then we're not showing the righteousness of God. So, God is slow to anger. He wants us to be slow to anger also. He's going to treat us a certain way, even though we mess up. We're supposed to kind of show that to other people as we live our lives. Verse 9. He will not always scold, neither will he keep his anger forever. God is eager to forgive. God does not hold grudges. When we think about that prospect, we have to go to the prodigal son. We find the story of the prodigal son, and he left his father, and he went away, and he, and he lived a, a terrible life. And he kind of wasted it. Um, before he finally came to himself, he was in his lowest spot. But you remember that when he came back, where was his father? He was waiting. He was watching. And what did he do? When he saw him, he ran to meet him. He was eager to have him back. He did not hold a grudge. God does not hold grudges. He wants to forgive us. And he doesn't continue to beat us up over the mistakes that we make. Verse 11 and 12. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I love these two verses. They tell us that God's mercy is infinite. We'll never see the end of it. It goes on and it goes on. And he compares it to the heavens. He said his mercy is higher than the heavens. And the heavens are how high? We don't know, do we? Every time we get a little smarter and, and we produce something that shows us a little farther out into space, we figure out that, hey, that still goes. The heavens continue. And we'll never see the end of them. Therefore, God's mercy is that way. We'll never see the end of God's mercy. It's infinite. It goes on and it goes on. His forgiveness, His forgiveness is final. I love this verse, His forgiveness is final. I love the way it's described. He removes our sins. When He takes our sins, when we repent of our sins, and God takes those away, He says that sin is removed as far as the east is from the west. In other words, you can never 
He's not going to ever see those again. They're gone. They're gone. Hebrews chapter 8. If you go to Hebrews chapter 8, just a minute, it goes along with this. And he says there in verse 11 and 12, For all shall know me from the least to the greatest, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Their sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. They're gone. And you know, we can't forget things like that, but, but God can. And he says, I'm, I'm erasing them. They're gone. We're not going to talk about it anymore when he gives forgiveness of sin. So, for me, this is really special, this thought, because if you're anything like me, I don't know if you are or not, but like some things are harder on me than others. Some weaknesses of mine I struggle with more than others. And some of your weaknesses may be something that I don't have any problem with. But I know what my weaknesses are. And I also know... I also know that when I pray about those things... I believe God forgives those. But because I can still remember them, sometimes I'm a little embarrassed and I almost don't want to ask God again because that was the same thing I asked last week. Do you ever do that? Do you ever feel like that your problem is ongoing and you're working on it, but you just don't quite get it fixed and you're asking God to forgive me for what you asked God last week and the week before, maybe the week before, the month before? Have you ever been embarrassed to ask God to help you with that again? Like, dude, can I not do this myself? God wants to help you and God wants to forgive you and God doesn't see it like that. God sees that as a new sin because one you've, Ask about last week and he forgave it? He's already forgot it. He's not keeping record of that. That's gone. This is new. Use God. Ask God forgiveness. Start fresh because that's where he's at. When he forgives sins, he forgets and he removes them and they're gone. That's a great benefit to being a child of God. The third point is God is so great, and we are so small. We've got to understand that as Christians. God is so great, and we are so small. We've already talked about Him as the creator of the universe, and, you know, it's hard to put that into perspective. God knows all. He knows you better than you know yourself. He's known you before you ever got here. He's known every step that you've ever taken, every thought that's gone through your head. He knows it. God knows and gives you credit for wanting to do good. God knows when you're struggling with that weakness and you're trying to do better. God knows all those things. He is so great. And yet, what does he say about us? Verse 14, he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. That's us. We're just dirt. You remember in Genesis what he said? Let us make man in our image. And he took the dust of the earth, and he created a man. That's us. We, don't, we sweep the dust up and get it out of our house, don't we? That might be somebody. You've got to be careful. 
uh, swept grandma out the door. We're all just dust in God's eye. You know, he doesn't see us that way, but in respect to his greatness and our smallness, there's, there's so much difference. And we can't really put God into perspective and bless him like he deserves to be blessed unless we understand that we are so small. Even the best of us, even when we're doing everything that we can to please God, we're still small. We can never, we can never measure up. But the good thing is God helps us to measure up, and he sees us different than we see ourselves. He remembers that we are dust. He remembers that he made us out of dust. He remembers what we're all about because he knows us. Also, when you get to thinking that you might be something, there's another little something in here for you. If you go ahead and read, he said, As for man, his days are as grass. There is a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. We're all just here for a little while. James said, it's like a vapor. It appears and it's gone. Life is short. We talked about that before, and you know those verses. Sometimes we act like we're going to be here forever. We're not. Sometimes we act like when we're gone, everything's going to stop. It's not. We're all just a little speck on this earth. And there's a few people around us that are going to be sad for a while, but I'm telling you, when we're gone, it's not going to be long till we're not thought of. My grandma and her two sisters, I can remember spending the summer with them, and uh, one morning, I didn't like this, by the way, but they got me up and got me in the car, and they had their hose and their, you know, uh, had a mower in the car, and they had all their tools, and they had their sunbonnets on. Y'all remember sunbonnets? We got pictures of them in their sunbonnets, and I said, where are we going? And she said, we're going out to the cemetery, and we're going to clean the cemetery. So we go out in the country, way out there on the end of a little dirt road, and there's a cemetery, and there's, I mean, grass up here, you know. And, buddy, they get out, and they go to work, and I do too, because I'm with them, and I have to. And we're cleaning, and we're, and we're cutting grass and chopping weeds, and it's such a mess. You know what? The next year they went back and did it again because nobody else is paying any attention to that little cemetery out there. How often do you go to the cemetery? How often do you go maybe check on your parents in the cemetery? How often do you go check on grandparents and then great-grandparents? We went looking for my great-grandfather's uh, cemetery uh, plot uh, last year maybe. I haven't been back. We found it, but it took a while because we don't go there very much. And we're all that way. We are small in comparison of all this big deal going on. But God is at the top of it. Our job is to look to God for our guidance. Our job is to recognize our smallness in this whole picture and say, God, I need help with this, and I want your help. And I bless you because of it. Here's the best part of this whole thing. Verse 13. Why does he treat us this way? Because like a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those that fear him. He has compassion on us. He loves us like a father loves a son. It's greater than that. 
but it's like his way of putting it in words that maybe we can start to understand. Everyone that has children understands this thought. What would you do for your children? How much would you forgive in your children? How much do you want a relationship with your children? How long do you hold a grudge with your children? Yes, you have to sometimes discipline. And that's only right and good. They're your responsibility after all. But you don't hold a grudge, do you? When it comes time for, after that discipline, you, you, you wait for that child to come and give you that hug. And you're welcoming it. And that relationship that was in the past that deserved that punishment is gone. You're ready to put it away. Move on. And you'll do anything for that child to get them in right standing. God sees us that way. And he allows us the privilege of being called his children. Romans chapter 8. If we're children, then we're heirs. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, we also may be glorified together. We're children of God. He lets us be that. We're heirs with God, joint heirs with Christ. We're heirs of God. He lets us be heirs to all eternity with him. The creator of the universe, the greatest entity there is, personality there is, the greatest strength there is, and us being so small, he still looks at us and says, you can be my child. What a great privilege. Why would we not want to sing his praises? Why would we not want to bless that God every day of our life in so many ways? There is one catch. He loves us. He wants to forgive us. He'll go to such great lengths he gave his son for us. But don't mistake God's kindness. Don't mistake his kindness for weakness. Because God still requires something of us. He said in verse 17, The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon those who fear him and his righteousness unto children's children to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments and do them. We still got to do the commandments. We got to know God. We've got to understand what He wants us to do. And we got to do those things as we live our lives. The writer of Ecclesiastes said this very thing Fear God and keep His commandments is the whole duty of man. Understand where you are in this picture. Understand how much He has done for you. And then do what you can out of appreciation to bless Him back with your life. That's what he asked for us as his children. Do you have a relationship with God today? Have you stepped away from God today? God wants you in his presence. He'll do everything he can to meet you at that point, but you've got to make the first step. If you have any needs that need to be addressed this morning, and we can help you, will you come while we stand and sing?